it's time for another edition of Fighting for the Faith. Thursday, April 5th, 2012. Monday, Thursday. So I made an executive decision. Even though it seems like with each day I fall farther behind. Holy smokes. Tuning in, you're listening to Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Roseboro, and I am your servant in Jesus Christ. And this is the program that dishes up a daily dose of biblical discernment, the goal of which help you to think biblically, help you to think critically, and help you compare what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God. There is no shortage of weird, crazy things being said out there. And on a day to day basis, we do the cleanup work. Now, it's Holy Week. Today is Monday, Thursday. And if you think through the life of Jesus Christ, then you realize that um, if if this was occurring in real time, and the Holy Week kind of allows you to ponder and think on and meditate on what Christ went through to save you and to save me uh, by dying on the cross for our sins. And in the history of Jesus and his life, Monday Thursday is a is a monumental big deal, and uh, the reason why is because that's like when he woke up on Thursday morning. That was the last time he was going to get any kind of restful sleep at all prior to his sufferings and death. He wakes up that day, you know that night they celebrate the Passover and you know the first Lord's Supper. And, you know, after that, they're at the uh, Garden of Gethsemane, and he's praying, and that's where he's arrested. And uh, and then the all-night-long kangaroo court trial thing goes on. And so today really marks the, the, the beginning in real time of us tracking with Jesus' passions, his suffering and death, and it's marked in real time. And um, that being the case, I get caught up in this stuff to the point where it I can't bring myself to listen to a heretic um, or do anything you know, like what we normally do here at Fighting for the Faith, not on Monday, Thursday. I can't bring myself to do it on Good Friday either, and I certainly can't get myself to do it on, on Easter Sunday, but we don't normally broadcast on Easter Sunday. So what we're going to do... Today and tomorrow, I've decided that we're going to do two editions of Fighting for the Faith, and they're going to be different. They're going to, they're going to be more like devotional editions of Fighting for the Faith. And what we're going to do is we're uh, we're not going to focus our attention on what's wrong in the visible church, and we're uh, and nor will I spend any time correcting any false teaching uh, that you know not like there's any you know lack of demand uh, lack of supply in that in that uh, category. In fact, gross. Heresy abounds in the visible church. Instead, what we're going to do tonight is we're going to pause, we're going to stop, and we're going to ponder together the sufferings, passion, death as we march towards Easter Sunday. So tonight, you're going to need a Bible. In fact, well, here's what you actually technically you don't. What we're what I'm going to do is when this edition of Fighting for the Faith is posted. Um, you, I will put what, what I'll call, I don't think it's the right way of putting it is calling it the pirate liturgy. That's not really right. But what I'll do is I'll put a, a quick PDF together of, um, 
the passages that we'll be reading from tonight, along with the lyrics, not the uh, the melodies. I don't I don't have the ability to put together fancy, you know, things where you got the music and you know score that. Uh, yeah, sorry, I can't do that. But you know, I don't have that Lutheran service builder software, and you know, I I wouldn't have opportunity to use it anyway. But uh, you're going to need your, if you want, find the PDF. If you're listening to this via podcast, find the PDF, download it, and follow along so that you can read the biblical text along with us. And what we're going to be doing is I'm going to be playing two hymns uh, uh, tonight uh, to go along with this. And, and both of the hymns were recorded at Bethany Lutheran Church in Naperville, Illinois. And so the audio quality, you can almost think of today's edition of Fighting for the Faith as a patchwork quilt, because what we're going to do is I'm going to be doing the readings for the, you know, the scripture lectionary readings for Monday, Thursday, and we're going to play two hymns. Uh, the two hymns are uh, from the Lutheran service book, uh, hymn number 617, O Lord, We Praise Thee, uh, which is a communion hymn, and as well as LSB 445, it, 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 which is really only sung once a year. It's a Monday, Thursday hymn, uh, When You Woke That Thursday Morning. And like I said, we'll be providing PDF. If you, if you are uh, follow us here at Fighting for the Faith on the podcast or on the website, uh, wherever you downloaded this, look for the PDF for uh, Monday, Thursday, so that you can follow along. And um, so here's the idea. Tonight, you don't need to do anything. Sit back, listen, and believe this good news, this great news for you. So together, let's come and rest under the shade of the wood of Christ's cross. And come, let's rest in our Lord's green pastures as we together ponder his passage through the valley of the shadow of death for me and for you. And to start things off... Here is the congregation of Bethany Lutheran Church in Naperville, Illinois, singing the hymn, O Lord, We Praise Thee.
The Old Testament lesson is taken from Exodus chapter 12, verses 1 through 14, which read, The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell all of the congregation of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's houses, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of persons, according to what each can eat, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or the goats, and you shall keep it until the fourteenth day of this month, when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. Then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat. They shall eat the flesh that night roasted on the fire. With the unleavened bread and bitter herbs they shall eat it. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water, but roasted, its head with its legs and its inner parts, and you shall let none of it remain until the morning. Anything that remains until the morning you shall burn. In this manner you shall eat it, with your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and on all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. This day shall be for you a memorial day, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations, as a statute forever. You shall keep it as a feast. Our psalm is taken from Psalm 116, verses 12 through 19. What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation, and I will call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all of his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. O Lord, I am your servant. I am your servant, the son of your maidservant. You have loosed my bonds. I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people, in the courts of the house of the Lord, in the midst of you, O Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. A reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23-32. through 32. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper and saying, This is the cup in the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever, therefore, eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself, 
That is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined, so that we may not be condemned along with the world. Our Gospel text is taken from the Gospel of John, chapter 13, verses 1 through 17, and verses 31 through 35. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from the supper. He laid aside his outer garments, and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, "'Lord, do you wash my feet?' Jesus answered him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but afterwards you will understand. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, Not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garment and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you ought also to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is no greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself, and glorify him at once. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so now also I say to you, where I am going you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. From the Lutheran Service Book, hymn number 445, When You Woke That Thursday Morning.
in the name of Jesus. Tonight is the first of the three holy days that lead up to Easter and the feast of our Lord's resurrection. On these days we will meditate on what Jesus did for us in order to save us. The road that he took to the cross and to the tomb. How he laid down his life as a ransom for the many. How he went to his death as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. How he took our sin and our death and he buried them in his grave so deeply there that we would no longer be slaves to sin and no longer held captive to death. Tonight begins in an upper room in Jerusalem and Jesus is with his disciples. We have two versions of this night, one from the synoptic evangelist, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and the other from John. Both versions have their particular gift, and we will consider both of them. The synoptic writers, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, along with Paul, tell us of the Lord's Supper in the context of the Passover meal, that meal of freedom for Israel. How our Lord, on the night of his betrayal, took the bread and the cup of the Passover, and he made something new and something more. His own sacrificial body and his blood, which he would give on the next day for the life of the world. John fills in the negative space around the supper focusing instead on what Jesus said and what he did around the meal. And so there are not one but two gifts on this holy night. The first by way of Jesus' example, and the second by way of Jesus' sacrifice. He gives us both a way of life, and he gives us his life. John tells us that while they were at table... In the middle of the supper, Jesus got up from his place and he took off his outer robe and he tied a towel around his waist and he took a basin of water and he knelt down on the ground and one by one he washed the feet of his disciples. Foot washing was an act of hospitality, a generosity extended to your guests. And it was a necessary one, too, since you sat on the floor, you were all huddled, huddled together, and your neighbor's feet were terribly close to your head, not to mention your meal. Foot washing was a task reserved for the lowest rung of a slave, a Gentile slave. And it was a strict rule that a disciple was never to wash the feet of a rabbi. Might wash his car but he could never wash his feet. That was too low. And here the rabbi, the teacher, washes the feet of his disciples. Peter is understandably outraged, as only Peter can be. First he protests, seriously, Lord, you're going to wash my feet? There's no way. And then not understanding what's going on, Peter goes over the top, and in the wrong direction. Well then, not only my feet, also my hands and my head, it's so typically Peter. 
But Jesus is not giving out baths here. He's washing feet. There is no task so low that Jesus will not stoop to do it. And that's the point. He comes not to be served, but to serve, to lay down his life. He comes as the servant of all. He comes as the suffering servant, the one who stoops as low as our death and the grave in order to save us. And they, as his apostles, his servants, his disciples, are to do the same thing. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Now Jesus did not institute another ritual, a ceremonial foot washing as is practiced by some on this night. He gave a pattern. He gave a profound example to his disciples that they would reflect his servanthood in their service. That they would love each other in the very same way that Jesus had loved them. By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And that love expresses itself in the little and the lowly things. It's bending down to wash the feet of another. Bending down as the Samaritan did to minister to that broken, bleeding, dying man in the ditch, the one who fell among the thieves. Service always means bending down. Getting down off your high horse. Setting aside your pride. Laying aside your ego, your dignity. It's not the way of the disciple to say that's beneath my dignity to do or that's below my pay grade, let someone else take care of it. Nor is it the way of a disciple of Jesus to say I've done my turn and now it's your turn to do. To be a disciple is to be a servant. His service comes first, divine service. First he washes his disciples' feet And then they get to do the same, to wash one another's feet. But notice, they don't wash his. The old law read, love your neighbor as yourself. It presumes you love yourself. The new commandment says, love one another as I have loved you. Jesus' love comes first, then our love First he bends down to serve, and then we, having been served, bend down to serve one another. Submerged under all this talk of foot washing is also a nod to baptism. Did you catch it? If I do not wash you, you have no share in me, says Jesus to his stubbornly objecting disciple. Like most things in John, everything means at least two things and sometimes three. Not a foot washing here, but a washing of regeneration and renewal, a washing of water and spirit with the word. In baptism, Jesus again stoops down with the water. 
the Holy One reaches down to wash the filthy sinner with water and word. And unless we are washed by Jesus, we have no share in his life, in his death. Only Jesus can cleanse us from sin. Only Jesus can make the sinner clean by water and the word. Now, if you turn to Matthew, Mark, Luke, or 1 Corinthians, you get an entirely different perspective on this night. Not foot washing, not a sermon, not a prayer, but a Passover. It is Passover night for Jesus and his disciples. Curiously, Jesus is with his 12 and not with his family. You celebrated the Passover with your family normally. But Mary and the brothers and sisters are nowhere to be found. This is no ordinary Passover being celebrated in the borrowed upper room in Jerusalem. This is the Lord's Passover, and he is with his Israel. And he is about to undergo his exodus from death to life by way of the cross. In the first Passover, the blood of the Lamb was painted on the doorpost. And Israel walked through that blood into freedom, always remembering the price of freedom. It comes with the blood of the sacrifice. Where the blood, their death passed over. In this Passover, Jesus takes the cup after supper, the third cup, the cup of blessing, the barichah. And he declares, this is the new covenant in my blood. The covenant spoken of by the prophet Jeremiah, in which God would forgive iniquity and remember sins no more. He gives his sacred blood here for wine to gladden the hearts of sinners with forgiveness. He seals the new covenant with his own blood, his life given in place of the world. By his blood we have our freedom. And where the blood is, there death passes over, because this is the blood that conquers death. Where his blood is, there is life, there is forgiveness, and there is salvation. And so also with the bread. The bread of the old Passover was the bread of affliction. It was the bread of slavery, unleavened, hard. Jesus does something entirely new with this bread. He takes it and declares, this is my body. This bread of the Passover is the body of the lamb of the new Passover. His body, which he would give into death for the life of the world on the cross, roasted in the wrath of God under the law against sinners, roasted in the fiery passion of God to save sinners. In the old Passover, the lamb was eaten, roasted to the point of being burnt to the crisp, but in this new Passover, Jesus gives his body as bread, the bread of life, true and living bread, come down from heaven as manna to feed those who are hungry for righteousness. With his body and his blood come everything that Jesus has done and does to save us. To eat of his body and drink of his blood is to receive all that his saving death has won for the world. It is our wilderness food. As we make our way through this life, through death to eternal life, it's what sustains us and keeps faith alive. Sin and death cannot harm us, nor can the law accuse us, for the body and the blood testify on our behalf. 
we have been died for. Our sins have been atoned. We are justified for Jesus' sake. Do you hunger and thirst for a righteousness you cannot do? For a righteousness that avails before God? Then come to the supper and be blessed and be filled. Are you weary from the struggle against sin? Are you wary of your death? Are you afraid of God's judgment? Then come to the supper and find refreshment for your souls. Do you seek eternal life? Then come receive the medicine of immortality, the body and the blood that have gone through death to life to save you. Jesus' body and blood do not leave us in isolation but they bring us into fellowship with one another and with the whole church. Communion with Christ is also fellowship with one another because the same body and blood that goes into you go also into me. We are bodied and bloodied together. Or as St. Paul says it, we are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. One bread, one cup, one body, one blood, one church. The church is the body of Christ because the church eats the body of Christ. You are what you eat, especially with this food. And here our divisions are healed. The walls that we put up come tumbling down like Jericho's walls. Here all the barriers that we set up against each other, our prejudices, our pride, our egos, all of our divisions are knocked down. There is but one bread, there is but one cup. The Lord's Supper is personal, but it is never, ever private. It can never be reduced to me and Jesus having a private moment. It is always corporate, together, side by side, as the body of Christ. A holy communion for God's holy communion. Christianity has infinite room for individuality because each of us is made by God and is unique and uniquely gifted by God. But there is no room for individualism that idolatry of the self, the heart curved inward. The church is a body of members, not simply a bunch of members or a loose collection of members or an isolated member. In the supper, we are brought together not only with each other, but with the whole church throughout all time. There is only one supper, for there is only one Lord. And that Lord spoke on the night in which he was betrayed and gave his body as bread and his blood as wine. And that same gift is given on every altar, in every place where the Lord's words are heard. And yet it is only one supper, one body. From this supper of his body and blood, faith toward Christ and love for one another flow. Jesus loved us to death. He gave his body and his blood on the tree of the cross, making it a tree of life.
from which we may eat and live forever. He loves you. He washed you in the water of holy baptism. He gives you the bread of his body and the wine of his blood. All of it as gift to you, undeserved, unearned, unmerited, gratis, by grace, free for the receiving. And in that love of Christ, his love for you, you are given to love one another. Because in one another we see the same body and blood, the same baptism, the same forgiveness, the same word at work. And we reflect to each other the love that we have received. You see, the world cannot see Jesus' love. They can hear of it. They can taste it and see that the Lord is good. But they cannot see the love of Jesus. They can't see Jesus. But they can see you. And they can see your love for one another as the body of Christ. This is how the world will know that you are my disciples. That you love one another. Jesus gives us his life. And he gives us his pattern for life. In love, it is the Lord's Passover. <laughs>